On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I get to welcome a fellow colleague in the medical profession, Dr. Vanita Rahman. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. And we're going to talk about your new book, uh, Simply uh, Plant-Based, which is a delicious cookbook. And so we can start getting those salivary glands going with people here in a minute. But first, I'd really love to know more about you and uh, kind of your plant-based journey, your doctor journey. But so how did you first become interested in medicine? That's kind of a nice place to start. You know, I wasn't really thinking about medicine when I went to college. I was going to be a business major. And then um, I had to take electives my first year and I took intro to psychology. And as we started learning about the brain, its anatomy and how everything works together, I thought this is really fascinating. I'd like to learn more. And that really got me thinking about medicine as a career. I liked the science. I liked how anatomy correlated with function. And I liked the idea of really putting that to good use by helping people. Who knew a psychologist, a psychology course was going to lead you down the path of medicine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you are an internal medicine physician. Mm -hmm. And what made you choose that specialty? You know, I, what I really like about internal medicine is, um, it's primary care. So we as primary care providers get to know the whole patient. And I like the fact that it's really very much um, holistic in its approach. We take care of all aspects of a patient's health. So I'm not just focusing on any one aspect and really getting to know my patients and building long-term relationships. And then I, uh, I think on a personal level, I could relate to it more having been to primary care physicians and the care they provided me uh, with my health problems. I really felt like I wanted to do the same. I wanted to help others in a way that my doctors had helped me. So it just seemed like a really good fit for me. Nice. And so tell us a little bit about that journey of being, you know, not only your personal plant-based story, but how you decided to bring that into medicine, because you're working at the Bernard Medical Center, which is all about plants. So love to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, I think my path to this, where I am today really began a long time ago. I was born and raised in India. And when I was there, I was, I grew up on a vegetarian diet. We didn't have a television in the house. We played outside. We didn't even have a phone in the house. It was very basic and my family had very modest means. So things like sodas and cookies and dessert and ice creams, they were a novelty, they were a special treat. So I was a really healthy kid without really putting any effort into it. It was just our lifestyle. And then when I was 12, my family and I moved to the DC area, we moved to the US and everything changed. Um, gone were days of playing outside with friends and creating games. And now I was playing video games and watching TV uh, four or five hours a day. I was eating more and more what looked like a standard American diet. I wasn't eating that vegetarian diet anymore. I was eating a lot of processed food, pizza, cake, ice cream, sodas. And even though I was vegetarian, I felt this peer pressure to eat meat. So I would make myself eat burgers and hot dogs and 
chicken tenders because I thought, wow, I want to be like the other kids. I just mm. look so different eating a potato sandwich and nobody understands what that is. Um, and as I changed my diet and lifestyle, I changed. I went from a lean kid to an overweight kid. And, you know, it became a real problem for me as a teenager. I couldn't wear the clothes I wanted to wear. Nothing really fit. But on a deeper level, I started having health problems. As I got older, I went through med school and residency. I could never really shake that weight off. And I kept struggling with health issues like asthma, uh, frequent colds, year-long allergies, frequent heartburn. And uh, in med school, my gross anatomy partner introduced me to running. And I thought, well, okay, I'll try this. And I ran, I really enjoyed it. And then my knee started to ache and I went to see an orthopedist and he ordered an MRI and told me I had signs of early arthritis. I wasn't even 30 yet. Wow. And so my weight was really having an impact on my health. And it, it all sort of uh, got worse from there. One day I was working in the emergency room and a patient came to see me and she had a, um, a mass in her neck and she uh, it was quite worrisome so I ordered a CAT scan and when I got the report it confirmed what I suspected that she had metastatic cancer and we couldn't even find the primary her disease was so advanced and very sadly she died a few months later but I always remember her because she seemed so well just when I met her but things were not going well and then a few months after that I was sick with a cold. I was feeling my throat because it ached. And I felt this lymph node in my neck. And I thought, oh, it's probably a reactive lymph node. But I kept thinking of my patient. And months went by and my, of course, my cold was gone. My throat was fine. But this lymph node persisted and I was getting increasingly worried. So I saw an ENT specialist who ordered an ultrasound. And as I lay there on that ultrasound table, I heard the words that none of us want to hear from a doctor. And that was, I have good news and I have bad news. And I just knew the bad news would be bad. And he said, the good news was that was a benign lymph node, but the bad news was I had thyroid cancer. And this was an incidental finding that we call, meaning this isn't what we were looking for. We just happened to see it, but it was terrifying. I had young kids. I didn't think I'd live to see them grow up. I was terrified I wouldn't be there for them. And um, it felt like everything in my world was just collapsing. And I had to have my thyroid removed. Um, soon after that, I was waiting for my biopsy results. And I went for a bike ride to relieve the stress. And as I was biking, I stretched in a way that I don't normally. And I fell. And I tore my left ACL. I was going to need another surgery. A few weeks after that surgery, I went in to see my orthopedist who looked at me, looked at my x-ray, looked very concerned and said, oops, I made a mistake in your surgery and we need to go back and fix it. And I, that was, I think, the end for me. I thought three surgeries in six months, this is horrible. I'm just spiraling down. And um, right around that time, a good friend of mine said to me, you know, why don't you look at the China study? Um, because I still had all these other health issues from the past. And I was really skeptical. And I thought, gosh, a plant-based diet, if it was good, I would have learned about it in med school, or I would have learned about it in residency. No one's ever talked to me about this. 
and uh, none of my colleagues are talking about it. But I was skeptical, but I was also very desperate. I felt like I had really nothing left at this point. So I started reading the book and, and I learned all those things I wish I had learned in med school, you know, how nutrition could have prevented many of the chronic conditions I struggled with, how nutrition could still help me going forward. And that's when I just transformed how I eat and transformed how I practice medicine. And everything just really changed in my life at, at that point. Wow. So there's so much here to talk about. So you <laughs> mentioned you mentioned you saw dramatic changes. And so what were the more immediate and then the maybe the longer term or how long ago also was this? So this was 10 years ago now. Awesome. And, um, you know, the first change I noticed was my knees didn't ache. Even before I lost the weight or things improved, I noticed I could run without my knees aching. And in the beginning, if I would um, go have pizza with my family and I was tempted to get that cheese, the next day I could feel it in my knees. And that was the first sign. And then I noticed I no longer had heartburn and um, I lost that extra weight that I had been carrying since age 12 that I had gained very rapidly, it finally left and didn't come back. And yet I felt stronger, even though I was older now, I felt stronger than I did back then when I first was a teenager, um, when I came to the US. And then I noticed with time, other improvements that I didn't expect. I stopped getting sick. I used to get sick almost every month. If someone had a cold and I just looked at them, I would catch it. I, in my work, I was constantly bringing things home. Mm -hmm. I stopped getting sick. And when I stopped getting sick, my asthma stopped flaring up. And with time, I noticed I wasn't using my inhalers. They, I was getting them as a backup, but then just throwing them out a year later because they expired. And it just seemed like I went from using an antacid to, for, and two inhalers um, and taking ibuprofen on a regular basis for my knees to not needing anything. And, but I think the most important change was I felt empowered. I felt that I was finally in control of my health. I didn't have to succumb to my thyroid cancer. And now when I went for that ultrasound or those serum markers to see if it had recurred, I no longer had that scared feeling that I always did um, because I knew I was doing everything I could to protect my health. That's powerful. You know, I had a, another friend who's a doc in the UK that also suffered from thyroid cancer. She had a really interesting story. And I've, I've had Hashimoto's for 25 years since the birth of my second child. And um, yeah, so I, I, I feel you. That's uh, that's really scary to think, especially you had that recent experience with your your patient. Because we all, you know, when I went to medical school, my kids were little. They were five, three, and 10 months when I started medical school. And then everything that I read about in the pediatric, it's like, my children are going to get this. I just feel like, <laughs> you know, yeah. so how you just kind of like, but um, in some cases that does happen. That is really interesting. Um, so you mentioned your family. Do you mind if we ask if they transitioned with you and how that went or any, any tidbits for folks who have resistant family members? <laughs> yeah, they, they did. So uh, my kids were really young when we started our plant-based journey. They were under 10. I think they were about eight at the time. And my husband and I were both all in. We wanted to try this. And uh, my husband 
experienced significant health improvements. He lost weight that he had been struggling to lose with, um, to struggling to lose since he was a young adult. And his cholesterol dropped 70 points. His blood sugar, which was in the pre-diabetes range, normalized. And he had sleep apnea, which went away. So we both experienced tremendous health benefits. The, the kids were interesting because young kids don't really understand about health benefits. They're generally on the healthier side. They don't really appreciate the benefit of food in terms of health. Um, so they were not really understanding why we needed to make any of these changes. Um, but I spoke to them and I said, you know, you can eat anything you want, but I, I want you to understand how it gets to your plate. So I'm gonna show you a movie and then you make a decision about what you wanna do. So I showed them Food Inc. And about 10 minutes into the movie, they said, okay, we understand. This is a kinder way to eat. Um, we're okay not eating meat. Uh, we're okay not eating chicken. Um, and, they, and they never really cared for seafood. So that was the beginning of their journey for, for humane and ethical reasons. Oh, wow. And how many children? I have two. Um, and so now they're teenagers? Yes. <laughs> and they're still on board and doing well? Yeah, they, they really are. So they're so interesting because initially they, they became vegetarian. So they mm -hmm. kind of held on to the dairy because pizza and baked goods. But over as they got older, just on their own, they made the decision to just ditch dairy. And they said they didn't really need it. And they were fine with the dairy alternatives. And then they became uh, really strict with it. And, uh, and it's not even coming from me anymore. It's really coming from them. And so now it's fascinating because their friends are very curious about what vegan food looks like. And they're always um, wanting to try it out. And they're actually very supportive. So they'll have a vegan cupcake for birthday parties or mm -hmm. they'll order vegan pizza. And I think there's just a lot of curiosity in, in the younger generation now. They, they really wanna know more about this. No, absolutely. So my daughter, Emily is, uh, well, the kids are in their twenties now, but uh, Emily's a physician in Boston doing her family medicine residency. And they're all plant-based, but they were 13, 15 and 18 when we switched over also 10 years ago. And my husband also had um, a shift in weight and saw some more energy and things like that. So that was great. Um, but, you know, it's really interesting because not only is she see that for her patients, but her generation, like in my boys, her younger brothers, they're really driven also, you know, not only the ethical side, but the climate stuff, the climate change and the reality that they're going to be dealing with as they become, you know, older adults and middle-aged and I'll be on my way out of this life, but they're, they're going to be stuck here for a little while longer, Lord willing. And, you know, that's also, so I think there's even more plant curiosity occurring even outside of, you know, mom and dad bringing it home. So are you seeing that also? They're talking about other benefits that, that outside of themselves and their uh, personal health and things? Yeah, absolutely. I think for younger people, it's not really health that motivates them. I think my children, like most children love animals, they adore them. And the idea of um, eating them just does not appeal to them at all. They, mm -hmm. they want what's best for animals. And then as they got older, they really started to appreciate um, climate change and the huge impact our diets have on it. And 
And I think um, the other thing is they're just curious. You know, it's fun. My daughter loves to bake. So for her, it's fun to just take a conventional recipe and veganize it. How can I make this into something that fits my values? Um, and she often whips up amazing things. And I'm just shocked at how easy it is, uh, you know, with these teenagers, they just, they're so resourceful. They can find things on the internet. They can put things together and they have so many resources that we didn't have um, 20, 30 years ago. And I think it's never been easier in a lot of ways to eat healthy. No, absolutely. I, you know, and you and I entering into about a decade ago, depending on where you are, it could definitely be easier or harder. And uh, that that's amazing. You're speaking too, also that your daughter is like amazing and you're what you just wrote this cookbook. So <laughs> that's a great segue into speaking about you guys. It's a, if you're on the listening podcast, it's a simply plant-based, a fabulous food for a healthy life. And if you're on YouTube, you can see it here. And um, so let's start there. Um, doctor in the kitchen and what gave you the idea to write a cookbook and how did that come about? Well, so after I started, around the time I started my plant-based journey, I was working at Kaiser in the DC area. Uh, And I really was very excited to launch a plant-based weight loss program because so many of my patients were struggling with their weight. And I knew this could help them. So we started it and we had hundreds of people attend. And what I kept hearing from them was, I believe you, I believe the science, I'm willing to try it. I just don't know what to eat. Tell me what I can eat that my family will like. Oh, and please make it easy because I don't have time to cook. And I always thought, gosh, you know, eating this way is really not hard, but it is for someone who doesn't know. And that was really the inspiration. I really wanted to put together recipes that were easy, that were tasty, and that were healthy so that I could just hand it to them and say, here, with this, I know you and your family will eat well. And I wanted to show them just how easy it was. So I really used those three guiding principles. It had to be easy, tasty, and healthy to just put together things. Just those three simple things. Yeah. <laughs> Having had some friends who've written some of these cookbooks, you know, the the recipe and the challenges and all the, you know, trial and error and they're, they're really fun to listen to people do that. I was like, oh, I'll just get your book and I'll just cook. <laughs> you, you guys go for it. Um, but what I like about it too is that you you break it down into several different things, but you also have a nice intro um, and speak to a few different things. First of all, why plant-based? So let's let's start there and say, why should, you know, we just talked about your own journey and stuff. Why plant-based for maybe some patient stories or anything like that that you'd like to share because I or if there's some other elements um, to the science that you'd like to share? Yeah, so my goodness, the benefits of plant-based. I could <laughs> go on all day about that. Um, well, first, if we just look at our most common conditions that people struggle with, uh, obesity, overweight, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, cardiovascular disease, cancer, we have increasing evidence that plant-based diets can help prevent those conditions and maybe even reverse them, which is really exciting. To be able to reverse heart disease with plant-based diets instead of a complex surgery or procedure, that's just really tremendous. Um, And the other thing is we're seeing 
are even autoimmune conditions like asthma, allergies, inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis, they all tend to improve. And we know that the immune system gets stronger, so people get sick less. And we have research showing that people who eat a plant-based diet are less likely to develop severe symptoms of COVID infection than those who don't. So what it does is it brings the immune system into regulation. It helps us fight the pathogens we need to, but not react to things that pose no threat to us, which is what happens in those autoimmune conditions. Uh, so one, one story I love sharing is a patient of mine who came to see me. Um, and when she came to see me, she wanted to reverse her diabetes. She had been diagnosed with diabetes. She was obese and her A1C, which is a level we used to track people's blood sugar was over 12. And normally we want that to be under, um, you know, 5.6 but hers was really uncontrolled diabetes and her healthcare provider has advised her to take insulin. Nobody likes to take insulin. It makes people feel horrible and the idea of an injection every day. And so she heard about our clinic. She heard about plant-based diets and she came to see me. And within three months, her A1C had gone down to 6.7 without any medications at all. And a few months later, she had now completely reversed her diabetes. Her cholesterol dropped significantly. She lost 70 pounds. Her vision improved. And, and the thing that strikes me most about this is when she started, she said she would, her idea of stepping out of the house or exercise involved just stepping into her own property with her dog and just pretty much staying there, not going much further. And now she's walking over two miles a day, which is amazing. So that's really the power of what plant-based foods can do. So if you're like me, are these things not addictive, right? Just to like listen to these stories and help people. It's just the funnest thing ever. Yes. It, it is so inspiring because, you know, I think we all want hope. We all want to feel that we can do better, that it is possible to do better that we're not stuck with a diagnosis or a prescription or a procedure. Mm -hmm. And to have that sense of empowerment, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. I call it veggie crack. So I tell patients like, listen, we're gonna have this <laughs> conversation. I'm gonna tell you to eat some vegetables. You're gonna eat the vegetables and get better. And then you're gonna come tell me how much better you are. And I'm gonna get a dopamine reward for helping you. And we're gonna <laughs> just keep this going. So you need to be my crack dealer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it is so much fun oh my goodness it's um the best thing ever I honestly I can't imagine practicing without this such a fun thing to do it's just like the true healing aspect of medicine that I don't know it's just it's delightful um excellent um so now then you go into grocery shopping and meal planning so critical right is the planning aspects of this so what are your tips and uh, hacks and things there that we can help people with? Well, first, don't go to the store hungry. Um, that is <laughs> always bad news. Very um, good. Yeah, everything looks good and we end up buying twice as much as we need. Um, and I always recommend take an inventory of what's in your fridge or pantry. I've done this so many times. I go and I buy something and I realized I already had two containers of it. Mm. Um, and then it becomes a storage issue. So take inventory and also have an idea of what you want to make and make a list. 
so that when you come home, you don't forget something. And lastly, when you get to the grocery store, really try to stick with the fresh fruits and vegetables and try to stick with food in its purest form. So if you're buying beans and legumes, get the dried ones, you can make them yourself or um, get frozen or fresh vegetables that don't have anything added to them and load up on fruits. They're just amazing. They're like nature's dessert and such an easy snack. A, a banana makes such an easy and quick snack, um, but also so satisfying. I'm, I love frozen pineapple. It's my new thing. <laughs> it's like grab some, making a smoothie. I'm going to have a little extra bite. But you know, one of the things too, um, with a busy household and is to keep a list that I found helpful. If you'll keep a list uh, on your fridge, you know, you just magnet on or however you want to attach it or on your pantry. And when you run out of something, just write it on the list and then it's ready to go when you're, you're heading out the door for the grocery store. What they need to do is come up, my husband and I were coming up, had these ideas, like what they need to do is when you have a shelf, like some kind of, I don't know, app or whatever, and you scan it and saying you have this. And if you need to look and see what you have, you just look open your app and it's like, oh yeah, I still have two cans. Where are they? <laughs> you have to go searching, but you know, some kind of like easy uh, way to keep track of what we do have would be uh, super helpful. So any of those geniuses out there, that's your next, that's your next million dollar idea. Yeah. And you can thank me for it. <laughs> um, but then speaking kind of segueing into, you know, the next section, we talk about kitchen tools and gadgets. All right, gadgets, let's talk. But what works, what doesn't? Oh, I love gadgets. They make it <laughs> so much easier. Uh, one of my favorite is a high-powered or high-speed blender. Mm. Uh, I love this because you can not only use it as a blender, but you can make ice cream at home. So you mentioned frozen pineapple. I love freezing fresh fruit like pineapple or bananas or berries and then I can whip them into ice cream. It's so easy and so satisfying. Uh, like you can make your own pineapple whip at home using these. Um, very, very easy to use. You can make hummus with them. The other thing that I absolutely love is my electric pressure cooker. It is very, uh, very convenient um, to use. So you can buy canned beans in the store, but they're often high in sodium. So you really have to look for the sodium content or you can just buy a pound of chickpeas for 99 cents, put them in the electric pressure cooker or Instapot or whatever it is you like, and it will cook it for you. And I think they actually come out better. They're softer, they're more flavorful. And I use both of those on an almost daily basis um, because it's, I can just cook and forget about it. The third thing that I love is the air fryer. So if you like French fries or um, kebabs or um, cauliflower wings, they're amazing. I make samosas in them. I just put them in the air fryer and 10 minutes later, this wonderful crispy concoction comes out. That's delicious. So those are my three favorites uh, that really have made cooking so much easier and fun. Absolutely. We have a Breville smart oven. So it's like 13 different functions and the air fryer is probably by far the most utilized of that. And we've had a Vitamix since it's a decade old. It's still going strong, which is some yeah. blast. And then uh, for me, I like the, the food processor too. It just takes the chopping and the, mm -hmm. that's, that's one of my favorites, but yeah, you know, the pressure cooker, I have a pressure cooker 
my grandmother got burnt once when I was little. I, I remember this vividly in from the high. And I know, I know they're safer now. And but there's something instilled in me that I'll try it. And it's like, mm. so I don't and use it as much as I should. But um, I do have one, I need to start utilizing it more. So for someone who's entering into the space of the pressure cooker, what are your recommendations on kind of understanding the settings and maybe recipes to start or is what would be your advice? <laughs> yeah, so I think um, you're absolutely right about the safety aspect of pressure cookers. You know, I grew up in India and pressure cookers, stove top pressure cookers were commonplace in every kitchen. And we actually, my family had one explode and it's, it's the terrifying sound. Um, they were dangerous, mm -hmm. but the electric ones are so much safer because they will deep, compress if they feel there's any danger. They have so many safety mechanisms and they're designed to be left unattended, whereas those traditional stovetop ones were not meant to be left unattended. Um, so I use one by Breville that I really like. It's electric. It's super easy to use. I know a lot of people use Instapots. Um, it, it doesn't matter what brand you get as long as read the instruction manual. Once you get comfortable, it's easy. And I use it all the time to make black beans or chickpeas or lentils. Um, I'll make a porridge. We can even, and what I love is I can make brown rice in it in seven minutes, whereas on the stove, it takes nearly an hour. And I can boil potatoes in it or veggies, just all sorts of things. We can saute in it, but they are much, much safer. Um, and I never had any issues with them. Yeah, and most people won't. So the first one I had, I gave to my daughter and the next one I'm still sitting in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull it out of the box. All right. So then as you go through, you know, you break it down to breakfast, salads, dips, soups and stews, sauces and dressings, sandwiches, main dishes and desserts. So these are all fabulous. I feel like breakfasts are by far the easiest things for people to transition to as they're moving to this uh, healthier plant-based diet. But for me and what I've seen over the years, and tell me if you're finding something different, but sauces and dressings are absolutely key mm -hmm. uh, to, to really helping people get the flavor intensity that they're used to with these all processed and high fat, high salt foods. So what are some of your favorite uh, foods that are in the, the cookbook? <laughs> oh, well, I can tell you what we use all the time. Uh, we love the waffle recipe. I like it because we can make it. And then every morning, it's super easy to just scoop it into the waffle iron. And 10 minutes, we have this gourmet waffle that's made with whole grains. It's very healthy. Top it with fresh berries. And it's just a hit all around. Um, the other thing I love is scrambled tofu. It's pretty much good any time of the day. It's my safety dish. I always keep frozen pita, frozen whole wheat pita in the freezer and I keep tofu in the fridge. And that way, if I have nothing else planned in 10 minutes, I can whip up scrambled tofu and it's always a hit with the toasted pita. It's great for breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner, a late evening snack. Um, the other thing that we love are quesadillas in my family. It's just a fun hearty food and I make my beans and I just grind them up and season them and I've even frozen them so that if I'm in a pinch I can just thaw them out and make quesadillas so those are some of our easy go-to recipes and 
The other one that I love is a tofu curry. Um, that literally takes 15 minutes to put together and it's just really flavorful. And again, most kids love tofu. So that's an easy one. Mm. So what, now how did you go about with your recipe? Like, how did you come up with the ideas to develop the recipes and who were you, who were your testing crew? Yeah. <laughs> Just walk us through what it looks like because maybe someone gets inspired, but maybe they're a little afraid to try something new. So well, what's your process in the kitchen? So, you know, it came from everywhere. Um, I love to travel. Um, and often my recipes were inspired by places I went to. So the tofu curry uh, was actually my family and I went to Beijing in the middle of winter once and we went to see the Great Wall and we were starving. It was super cold and there was a local Chinese restaurant right there and they served this tofu curry and I thought, wow, this is so delicious. And, and then everywhere in China, we could get these vegan soups that were loaded with veggies and tofu and noodles. And I thought, I really want to make those at home. And I want to keep the sodium low, the added sugar low, keep it very healthy. So that, that, those were some of my inspirations behind the um, Asian noodle soup and the tofu curry. But sometimes it's just based on what my family wants to eat. You know, they like eating burgers and they like eating Mexican food. They like pastas. They like lasagna. And I thought, how can I make something that they enjoy eating? but also keep it vegan and low fat and healthy so I can feel good about serving it to them. And that's how I came up with the veggie lasagna, um, the quick 10 minute tomato sauce. I can't tell you how that's our go-to sauce. How many times when the kids have nothing to take for school lunch, we just whip that up in the morning with pasta and they have something easy and everybody likes it. Um, so it was, a lot of it was just based on necessity what we needed and it had to be easy because um, I wanted it to be something they can make and something I could make and my husband could make without it being a big production in the kitchen. No, and I love that too because really I find that the most successful families that transition fully or when is everyone gets involved in the kitchen so if you make it simple enough and easy enough that they're like hey I'm not too afraid to you know take this on and then these amazing skills that you've given your children as they enter into adulthood and their friends, um, they know how to walk around a kitchen and make something in a very short period of time that's healthy. I think that's so very, very critical for long-term success for health. Yeah, it really is. You know, cooking is an essential skill and um, it's a life skill, but it's not one that I possessed. I did not like to cook. I did not care to cook at all. Um, you know, my idea of cooking was boiling water and having tea and toast. I mean, that was my limited skill set. But with time, I learned that it can actually be fun. You can play your favorite music. Um, you can get other people involved. And now it sounds a little strange, but I love going grocery shopping and I like tinkering with recipes. And that was not me at all 10 years ago. Um, but I see how much it helps us. And it's just watching everyone eat and enjoy the meal. It's just very gratifying. Do you, don't you find that that experience in the kitchen has been very valuable? Because honestly, a lot of times when we're talking to patients, they're asking questions. <laughs> and if I haven't been in the kitchen cooking so much, I would be at a loss to help some of their questions. At least that's been my experience. 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, like how do I make a grilled cheese without cheese? Or how can I um, get my family to eat pizza without cheese or pasta? I mean, absolutely. I think if we can relate to our patients' concerns, if we've been there, it makes it that much easier to guide them through the process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this has been fabulous. Um, is there any other um, recommendations you would have for patients or individuals who are maybe just starting out on this journey besides, of course, getting your book and mm-hmm. where can they find your book? And maybe if they wanted to see you as a patient or if you're accepting new patients. Yeah. So, you know, I would say first, don't be afraid to try it. Maybe um, you've been thinking about it and you're feeling a little nervous, unsure if you'll like it, how hard it'll be. I would say pick a food that you love eating, um, whether it's pizza or pasta or burgers or fries, um, even chicken wings, nothing's off the table. Pick something you love and you can find a healthy vegan version of it. You may think it sounds strange, but there are so many great options. Like if you like a salmon steak, try a tofu steak. It's really delicious. Um, And that may become your new favorite. And give yourself time to just experiment and you don't have to do it all at once. Try a meal at a time. And uh, the book has lots of super easy recipes and pick one that appeals to you and your family. And you can find the book on Amazon. You can also find it at our PCRM bookstore where we can ship it to you within two days. So those are both great options. And if you would like to see me or learn more about our clinic, you can go to barnardmedical.org where you can learn a lot about nutrition, our practice, um, make an appointment with me or one, some other provider. Um, and we do a lot of telehealth. And I think at last count, we were seeing patients in over 25 states. So uh, we, we do have quite a reach, not as much as uh, you do, uh, but we're getting there. So lots of support out there. And we also do a lot of group programs, which can be really helpful. Absolutely. And so that's Bernard, uh, B-A-N-A-R-D, yeah, so B-A-R-N-A-R-D uh, medical.org. There you go. And then, of course, the PCRM website has uh, amazing free resources. And Dr. Bernard has been doing this for a very long time. And he's an absolute dear soul. So, yeah, absolutely, guys, check them out. They have great resources. And I'm super stoked to, you know, try some of these recipes. Um I'm always looking to, you know, challenge myself in the kitchen and try some new, learn some new stuff and tweak and, and go further. It's, you know, I just want to tell patients it's kitchen. Is, is, there's no failure. It's just, no, oh, that didn't turn out so good. Well, let's try it again. Nobody's judging you. Well, maybe they are. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the kids are sitting there frowning, but just take it as a challenge to step up to the, to the plate and make it even better next time but just don't forget to keep trying and nobody's not the end of the world if a, a meal doesn't taste good it's it's all good it'll be fine <laughs> yeah it's, it's your own lab to play around in and experiment yeah. and you may discover a whole new version of a recipe that just works better for you mm-hmm. absolutely and don't be afraid you know to if there's something that you're allergic to or that doesn't sound right or if you want to change a sweetener or whatever 
you know, try out whatever you like, you know, there's no reason you can't experiment. Like you said, the tinkering is actually the fun part of the cooking. Cause when you do hit something, you're like, I did that. Yes. <laughs> it's such a joy to share that with someone else too. So um, I think this is gonna be a great tool for helping people feed people with delicious meals and um, bring them on board to a plant-based diet, hopefully. And so thank you again, guys. Again, it's called Simply Plant-Based Fabulous Food for a Healthy Life, which I love that title. And um, to picture this, we'll have links to it in the show notes. And thank you again for joining us. And I wish you the best uh, on your with your book sales and everything there. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Lori. Uh, you know, really appreciate all that you are doing to help people take control of their health and, and for this wonderful podcast. So what a great way for people to learn more. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. And I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button. So you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out HealthyHumanRevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.